Welcome to Where'd They Go, a podcast that is intended to aid in the grieving process after the loss of a child. Hi, I'm your host, Cheryl Laxanen, and in 2014, after the loss of my son Christopher at the age of 22, I started to receive strange, supernatural communications immediately upon his transition. I say transition because that is what I believe it is. It's just a step into a new type of existence without our earthly body. I thought I was going crazy, even contemplating that I had schizophrenia. So I immersed myself into books and self-help groups to explore what happens after death. By receiving communication from spirit and conducting my own research and exploration, I now wanna help others through their grief, through your grief. Welcome to the club that I wish you didn't have to be a part of. Hello, today my guest is Joan Craner. She's an ordinary person that has been on a spiritual journey since she was 19 years old. She grew up in a normal family of seven children and had Catholic faith. She left the church and home when she was 18. The start of her quest for truth and spirituality began when she experienced three deaths of close friends and family at the age of 16 and 19. Joan began a quest to understand death. When you ask the universe to teach you, the universe complies. She got married at the age of 21 and was married for 29 years. She loved him very much, but he developed substance use abuse issues as well as severe anger issues. Joan then had a daughter who turned to substance abuse herself in her 20s. She went through very many painful life experiences, but intuitively knew they were lessons on her path to truth. Joan's daughter, Maggie, eventually passed away. Joan's spiritual journey with her daughter was the most profound. She has her answers to all her questions about love, pain, fear, worry, life, and death. Now in the last phase of Joan's life, she wants to share what truths she has learned. She wants to educate others what the gift of unconditional love gives to connect us all together. Welcome, Joan. Thank you for being on our podcast today. Thank you for asking me. I'm very excited to be here. Tell me a little bit about Maggie, Maggie's life growing up, and yourself. Um, we had trouble conceiving, and so when I did get pregnant, Maggie was born. She was a very beautiful baby and very easygoing. Um, as she grew up, her life was pretty normal. Um, my ex-husband had gone through treatment, and we had a pretty good life at that point. And then somewhere around the teen years, things changed. Um, she start hanging with this one person that was kind of a bad influence, and uh, her and her father got into a lot of arguments about it. And um, at age 19, she got pregnant. Um, but Maggie was very smart, very social, very lovable. Um, she went to Fort Hayes Music School. She had a very high IQ, which I think sometimes worked against her because she thought she could figure everything out. <laughs> and um, her uh, substance abuse started uh, after the baby was born because she thought she was going to have support from the father's family, and they all deserted her. And what type of substance use disorder did she have? She, um, painkillers. That's how it all started? That's how it started. She, um, she had 
back surgeries and foot surgeries, and that's how she dipped into that. <clears throat> um, how, how long did that journey go on for? 15 years. And was she living at home at the time? Off and on. Mm-hmm. Whenever she had to have surgery, or she, actually, she also had hepatitis C, um, I would take care of her during that period of time. And then she would, uh, <clears throat> because my one boundary that I had with her was that she couldn't live with me when she was in active use. And I learned that over several years and several times trying to um, make it work. What year did it all start? Mm, what year of her age or what year? Both. Let's see, she graduated in 97, so probably somewhere around 2001. Mm-hmm. The start of the opioid epidemic, right? Mm-hmm. The beginning stages. Yeah, it wasn't, there wasn't that much awareness about it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Did she have stints with recovery at that time? She did not. Mm-hmm. Um, she just felt like she could not live without <clears throat> medication of some kind. And um, through her journey of ups and downs, and um, she wound up at Riverside Psych Ward. She took herself there and, and met a wonderful doctor that diagnosed her with bipolar issues. And after that, it all made sense. Her life made sense. And he got her in a treatment center in Youngstown. And he told me that um, any chronic user of drugs has a mental disorder that feeds it. Which one comes first, you don't know. but The chicken or the egg. Yeah. Um, But he said that that also means that they need uh, twice as long of a treatment. So he got her into a treatment center in Youngstown that was a minimum of four months. And you had to graduate these different levels. That's all good. It, it was. And she, she, after that, she was in recovery and AA and um, was living pretty loud. Not loud, pretty good. <laughs> so how did it spiral out of control at the end? She wasn't one to really talk about her emotions to people. And um, I think that was due to the fact she thought she could figure everything out on her own. And so um, she had a lot of pain from the fact that uh, my ex and I took over custody of her daughter. And there was a lot of painful moments connected to that. And I think that's... And her being, she was living with her father, which he was also a substance abuse person. So one enabling the other. Mm-hmm. It, it was never a good idea, and I, I told her that, but she did it anyway. So <clears throat> they, unbeknownst to me, they both were using. And um, when my granddaughter uh, graduated high school, she heard different stories um, from her own father, from her grandfather, and from her mother. And she was very confused <laughs> as what the truth was. So, Joan, does your granddaughter now have that gene for substance use disorder, like your husband, like your daughter? Does she show any signs of it? Well, I'm. yes, she has the genetics for it. 
because her uh, biological father also has issues with alcohol. But she, I, I believe she has seen the devastation and she's very careful. And she's been doing, she's been doing great, actually. So when did Maggie actually transition from this world? Uh, July 28th, 2020. So not that long ago. And when did your journey with spirituality begin? Well, it began when I was 19. But my journey with my daughter, I start um, journaling in 1994. And um, I'm so grateful you asked me on this because I start reading my journals and there was so much support and wisdom in, in my journals that I don't even remember Okay, writing. Well, when you talk about journals, I'm a lot of people journal. They just open their book and journal about what happened today, right. what happened yesterday. Right. Is this, that your journaling? No, this is referred to as automatic writing, wherein you get in touch with your higher self and your um, your hand just moves and writes. How long have you been? creative with automatic writing since 1994 since 1994 and what got you on that path what got you started well I was in this um, group of people that were psychics and astrologers and and we 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 got together on a regular basis and read books and um, we came across a book by Joseph Weed who's a Rosicrucian if you've ever heard of Rosicrucians it's a uh, secret sect of peop- uh, mystics, actually. And um, he decided that the, some of the s- methods should be shared with the world. So he wrote um, several books, and one of the books uh, talks about automatic writing. Okay. <laughs> to our listeners, and if I were not educated, I would think, voodoo, 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 but it's not that. It is, it is not at all. Just as in the, in the 70s, they thought people on drugs were, you know, that stereotype, that they were worthless and didn't want to work and all of that. Like the age of Aquarius. Right. But um, having tools to get in touch with your higher self, be it meditation, be it tarot cards, be it, I mean, those are all tools that you can use to get in touch with your higher self. And it was so helpful to me in my journey. So where did it take you? When did automatic writing look like at the beginning for you? When did you first start practicing it? How many times a week or a month would you do it? Did it start out strong? Was it weak? Take me through that period. I, I did it to soothe my worry over my daughter, my ex-husband. And um, I start getting really good advice. And a lot of times I would get... um, Advice from who? From, I'm going to call them my guides, because I know that it's not me writing some of that stuff. When you write, do you do it at night? Do you do it in the morning? Usually in the morning. Usually in the morning. And... How does that feel? How does your arm feel? Is it heavy? Is it light? Do you use a certain type of pen, pencil? I use something that's easy to write, mm-hmm. usually a pen. And 
No, it's just very relaxed. And what happens is the words come to me and <clears throat> my hand writes them down. And so you you you're visualizing or thinking words and then you're writing it or does your hand automatically write it and you don't even think it and then you look at the words and you're like, "Wow, what did I just write?" Um for the most part I see the words, but I read it over the next day, and it's more meaningful. I have questions. I believe that my guides are there to help me and that my worries are soothed by their advice. And when I was reading through some of my early books, I was amazed at some of the things that I wrote that I totally forgot about. And I felt like I had help getting me to where I wanted to go on my spiritual journey. Now, how do you know that they are not just words that you're thinking and then you're writing it down or that they're actually coming from spirit and your guides? How do you, di- how do you differentiate that? Well, <clears throat> when I sit down, I usually say a prayer and clear my mind to get disconnected. I, I don't always do that appropriately, but for the most part, if I really want some guidance. I go through that. I will sit down, meditate, breathe, um, and then just start writing. So what are some of the things that your guides have told you throughout the years? Well, in 1995, I got, fear is the absolute power of man. Fear is a necessity of life like love, as it is the motivation for love's growth. The imbalance of fear is chaos, but a necessary part of love's evolution. That's not me. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) That's just not me. That's very poetic. Um, And then in in Maggie's sophomore year, I was really struggling with how her choices were my fault. And... a reflection on me. What Maggie chose for herself is no reflection on me. This is what I got in my writing. Mm -hmm. The spiritual strategy is prayer, and the action you can take is gentle, loving detachment. Those are not your words for sure. (laughs) And when I reread that, I thought, you know, I, I knew I could not do detachment all the time back then because my fear and worry would take over. But when I'm reading that now, it just makes so much sense to me. How often would you practice automatic writing during those days? I don't do it every day. I do it when I feel I need some help. Do you still do it today? I do, yes. And how often? Um, not as often as I would like to. Life kind of distracts me a lot. I'm a little ADD that way. Mm -hmm. I wish I did it more because Maggie has come through. And what does Maggie say? Well, first of all, she said, um, if I'm sad, it means that I don't believe I'll see her again. And I said, well, that makes sense. And then she also told me it's it's not the afterlife, it's the other life. Interesting. Implying that this life is... Could be the afterlife. 
Well, this li- <laughs> this life is not our true home. And so there's an implication when you call it the afterlife that, it, you know, that this was our home and the afterlife was not. When was the first time she came to you after her passing? Um, I'd have to get my book out. It wasn't, I mean, she came to me a lot without the writing. She came to me in dreams. She woke me up. How'd she wake, t- how'd she wake you up? She knocked on the bedroom door really loud. It scared the crap out of me. Were you the only me. one in the house? No, my husband was there. He didn't hear it. And then she also slapped my pillow and woke me up. Does that scare you? Well, being woke up out of a deep sleep, yes, that's scary. But I just asked her to not not do that anymore and just come in dreams. And she told me it's did not. Did she listen? <laughs> she did. She did. And she said it's not as easy to jump into a dream like that. But um, so she started coming through in my writing. Excuse me. Because I was really worried about my granddaughter. And she's staying very close to her. So she's been giving me advice on that. Mostly stay out, stay out, quit, quit mothering her. She needs to learn her own lessons. Are you still in that deep phase of grief that you, we get into the first year? Or because you're having so much communication with Maggie, did that grief exit quickly for you? Yes. Yes. And rereading uh, my journals have reinforced the security of the information that I get. So with our listeners out there, if they're interested in this type of exploration in automatic writing, how would you advise them to search for it? Well, Joseph Weed's books, I did find them on Amazon. They're out of print, but... um, the one, the one that um, he talks about, um, automatic writing, I think is called Psychic Energy, and then there's a pink book. Both books teach you techniques to meditate. There's even a technique on how to pray, and they're very interesting. I did a technique years ago from the book on meditation where you look into a mirror and you kind of hypnotize yourself, and... It was really a very interesting experience, but um, he's he's pretty good at breaking it down. I would recommend uh, to try and get one of his books first. Is he still living? No, he is not. Okay. No, this, those books came out in the 70s and 80s. Do you still attend these meetings with these mystics and psychics and... Um, Spiritualist. There's a core group of us that get together a couple times a year, but there's been two of the main people that started the classes that passed away. Mm. And um, but we do try and get together because it's just fun to you know to be able to talk to somebody about those things and feel comfortable because, like you said, a lot of people have um, preconceived preconceived <laughs> ideas about it, which are totally. I mean, I hope we're now in the age of understanding that those stereotypes just don't fit anymore. Mm -hmm. And they are another way um, to explore God, actually. Mm -hmm. Or the oneness. Or the oneness, yeah. So I'll tell you a story. So after my son passed, um, a mutual friend of ours uh, told me I should visit this place for meditation, yoga, 
all this mystic stuff. So I did go with an open mind. And the lady who owned it, she said, you know, I have a friend who does automatic writing. I think you really need to connect with her. Are you willing and open to do that? And I was like, didn't know what automatic writing was, wasn't familiar with it. I just said, yes, I put my faith into her hands. So I went there on a Tuesday evening. I met with this lady and all she needed to know was my son's first and last name. So I gave it to the owner of this place and she gave it to her friend. I met this friend of hers who does this automatic writing in her studio and she wrote seven pages for me of my son. And what is so strange, and I've got it in front of me, is um, it says, Mom, wake up. Let go of that heavy feeling. I'm free. I am so alive. I am so alive. Not heavy anymore. What keyed me off is he was an athlete in high school and college, but because of the disease, he got very heavy. He probably gained an additional 75 pounds. So when it said, not heavy anymore, Mm. I was like, oh, maybe you got something going here. And it says, Mom, I wish you could see this light. It's in you too, Mom. You just can't see it with the human eye. Too bright. Whoa. There is so much to see, so much to do. Can I go, Mom? I need to do stuff, Mom. I love you, Mom. Don't be sad. Don't be heavy. Don't worry so much. Be free, Mom. The world you live in is a blink compared to here. You're not done there yet, Mom. You'll be over here. You have a voice. Speak it. I'll be a... It'll be a while. I'm okay, Mom. Really, you have so many things left to do here so many things mom live we we live all the way i had my path there you still need to flourish yours you have so much that you're going to do do it and then she draws this hand and she said i'm holding your left hand now what's so strange joan is a week before that somebody stopped me in the grocery store this lady and she said do you have a son that just recently passed? And I said, yes. And she's like, he's holding your left hand. He's holding it so tight that you need to let him know that it's damaging because it's going to damage some tendons in your arm. What is so funny, Joan? I had carpal tunnel syndrome in my hand. It hurt so much after his passing Um, I went to the dentist. He said I was gritting my teeth. I wasn't gritting my teeth. So I had that conversation with my child. About two months later, that pain in my hand. And the pain was so stiff, I went in and got a cortisone shot in my hand because it was so strong. But this automatic rider had drew this hand and said he's holding my left hand. Mm. Isn't that interesting? So I awoken. Because I was like, when I first heard about it all. That's part of my attraction for helping parents heal the group, is that uh, there's a lot of discussion on things that need to come to light. And um, they are still here around us. And the veil veil between life and death is clouded only by fear, worry, anxiety. If we could discipline ourselves to control that, we would have 
more and better contact with the other life. Yeah, I've heard, you know, just picture a snow globe. You know, those snow globes at uh-huh. Christmas time and you shake up and all those little snow follicles fall into place. That we are inside the snow globe. We cannot see out. But they are outside of that snow globe and they can see in and at, at any time. Mm-hmm. So that's my little visualization. When, I, um, when I'm missing Maggie, I'll do automatic writing and she'll come through. And um, she's telling me that she's having the time of her life. She's never been as happy as she is now. And um, I can't wait to be be there myself. (laughs) But we all have a purpose. We have to live our truth here until it's our time. We have a path. Yes, we have a path. And I, I feel like right now my path is to help people bridge the understanding of life and death. And how how things get in our way, how we can overcome our fears and worries and um, live a happier life while we're here. Joan, do you have anything that you've written auto- automatically where Maggie's come through? Yes, she's come through quite often. And um, I was feeling kind of down because I... I was just going in that direction of I didn't feel loved by her. I don't feel loved by my granddaughter, which I know is not true. But she came through and said, Mom, you feel unloved because your expectations of me and Madison are false thinking. We love you, and we both feel very close to you. Reject these ideas. They are planted by your ego and do not serve you. Those are beautiful words. Is she, was she that intelligent here on earth? Yes. As she is in yes. the afterlife? Yes. Yeah. She um, she could see things clearly from both sides and give, you know, good advice. That's why she had so many friends and um, she was a very good friend. I just, I think I was feeling sad because I didn't get to be around her more. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when she died, it was covid so I couldn't even visit. And um, I talked to her on the phone, which I was grateful I could do that, but I couldn't see her. Where was she living during COVID then? She, she ended up, what killed her, or part of what killed her, is she had stomach bypass. And um, she ended up getting beriberi from malnutrition. And that made her body go numb. So she was in the hospital for two Two weeks at Riverside getting thiamine um, supplements, and they tried to get her in rehab so she could walk again, but she just wasn't ready. She was still numb, so they put her in a nursing home, and that was when COVID was going on. And how much do you hate COVID? Because Joan has just told me before we started this that she's just getting over COVID now, so if her voice is a little raspy, that's why. But, you know, I think I was meant to get COVID now because it made me sit still, and read my journals. And um, I think this message is meant to be out there. And people need to understand that there are ways that they can stay in touch with their loved ones that have passed. A lot of it has to do with the belief system, a personal belief system. And um, I developed, everybody develops their own belief system, okay? And that's how you operate. But it also gives you the strength 
to discipline your mind. Like she was just telling me, those are thoughts from your ego. Yeah, womp them down. So, um, okay, what advice, and I hate the word advice, how would you guide somebody who is a newly bereaved parent? What two things would you tell them that helped you in the first year? I would say um, I have a belief system that there's so many tears you have to cry to get it out. That's so true. To heal your heart. Like I can't cry anymore. And, and you know when you're done crying. Absolutely. So give yourself the space to do that and don't care about where it happens. You know, it's going to happen in the store and church and, you know, your car, wherever. Just let it go. Uh, then I would say... Um, Meditate and try and release some of the negative thoughts that come through your head because that doesn't serve you or your loved one that's passed. It only puts more of a gap between the two of you. So I would say do everything you can to stay positive. Hang out with positive people, um, people that uplift you. Do things that uplift you. Walking in nature is one of my favorite things to heal me. And um, stay away from the alcohol. <laughs> I don't know if I would go there <laughs> because I, I like a little tequila at night to sleep good. And I, I see no harm in it. I, I don't like how the opposite is happening. People that have a cocktail are now called alcoholics. And that's ridiculous. No, one is fine. It's over an overabundance. <laughs> <laughs> it's overabundance, yeah. But, you know, there's a definition that I learned in the 12-step rooms that I use for everything, because it's not just about alcohol and drugs. It's everything that puts your life out of balance. If your life is out of balance, you have to pay attention to what's causing the imbalance. And Truth. It, it could be anything. True. You know, it could be working too much. It could be eating, you know, eating disorders. So... Strive to just stay in balance and don't worry about if you're falling into this category. I hate how, you know, the world has now made everything so black and white again. And it's not black and white at all. You just have to strengthen your inner self and know you to know what you're doing is not creating imbalance. Joan, thank you so much for those words of wisdom. You're a wise woman. And you just speaking here today, your gift is unbelievable. And I'm encouraging you to just talk and talk and talk your truth. Thank you. I will do that. Thank you. So I'm going to wrap this up with two sentences from two very wise angels in heaven. First from Maggie, which is Joan's daughter. Mom, you were a great mother. You did not understand the wisdom you have now. Don't beat yourself up. Stay close to us. We will guide you. Your words to be meaningful to Madison. And Madison is her granddaughter. I love you so much, Maggie. And from Christopher, get out of the fog as fast as you can. Wake up. I have to go, Mom. So much to do. I can't wait. I'm free. It is so awesome here. Whenever you call on or even think of me, Mom, I'm here. I love you so much, Mom. 
tell everyone I'm alive, Chris.